Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Sam.gov Bids Live episode number 39, where we walk through small business solicitations together on Sam.gov and answer your questions along the way so that you too can start bidding and winning contracts on Sam.gov for your small business. Today, we will be reviewing five small business solicitations that I have pulled up in Sam and that we will be jumping into in just a second. But if you are new here and you don't want to miss future Sam.gov Bids Live episodes, make sure you subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell so you can ask your questions live on future streams. And if you do happen to be someone who's recently registered your business in Sam.gov and you're looking to get started bidding, check out the link in the video description for our free resource, which was designed to help new government contractors in the space just like you. All right, guys, if you are on live, let me know which state you are representing in the comments. Most of you know how this works as well. And if this is your first live, let us know first live that you you finally made it. Usually folks are pretty excited about that as well. So once you go ahead and let me know in the chat. Also, um, we're starting things off with a awesome support from Sean Gilchrist. Thank you so much for the super sticker, for the super sticker rather. Uh, we really appreciate the support. Certainly um, not required by any means, but certainly appreciated for the support. So thank you again. Sean Gilchrist for the super sticker. My man, appreciate you. Let's go ahead while you guys let us know what state you're representing. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you a sneak peek at the bids we're going to be covering today. So the first bid we will be covering today is it's going to be the PAX contract. So this is professional administrative and con consulting services. This is going to be a, a bit larger of a contract than we look at. Um, you can see there's a number of attachments that we will be covering. This is set aside for 8A. Um, we'll get more into that in just a bit. Second bid is Nevada Army National Guard. We have a yellow ribbon event teed up for Reno. So that is on the board for today. We also have a uh, property book officer SF or S4 clerk rather. Okay. So we will be checking that out. Also, we have two on-site general surgery physicians. I'm going to be maybe not staffing, could be staffing, but it might be more of a as needed basis for the VA. And then uh, if we have time, we also have a dental services uh, blanket purchase agreement BPA lined up as well. All right. And if you guys are new here, you don't know how this usually goes. Uh, I don't review any of these bids ahead of time. Um, I kind of just select them based on what looks good. I'm going to try to include some diversity in there as well to make it as well-rounded as possible. But then we we don't bring you a polished product. I go through these for the first time with you live on the stream because that's exactly what you're going to be coming up against if you, you are. And if you're watching this, you probably are, right? But if you are now or at some point in the future going to be going through solicitations on SAM, we cover a number of like pitfalls and stumbles and challenges. Everything's not just clean and polished. Every bid is different. So we go through those raw and real with you um, so that you uh, can basically build up your skill level and so that you're not taken aback when something doesn't make sense. And we try to give you some empowering steps forward in case you do hit some stumbling uh, blocks to help you as much as possible to get to be bidding and winning in the game. So that is kind of how this works. We'll go ahead and say hi in the chat and then we will go ahead and get started with our first bid today. So again, uh, thanks to Sean Gilchrist. We also have Serafinia hanging out with us again. Good to see you. We have Andre Franklin II out of Florida. What's going on? Good to see you as well. We have Innovative Solutions as always. Good to see you. Greetings, greetings. Uh, we also have uh, Beth Ricard hanging out with us from New York 
as well, guys. Keep it coming, and then we'll go ahead and dive into our first bid for the day. So it will be interesting diving into this PAX contract because it is going to be uh, fairly large. Anybody who's in staff and you want to pay attention, this is going to be for HHS. This is, uh, yeah, the updated is due May 12th. Okay, so this is going to be not realistic. If you're just finding out about this for the first time, it's not going to be real realistic unless there is a extension uh, to the due date. Um, May 12th is the due date for this. It is also set aside for 8A. Okay, so that's going to weed out quite a bit. We have the 541611 NAICS code for administrative management and general management consulting. Silver Springs, uh, Maryland is where this contract is going to reside. They're letting us know that um, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration intends to award a single IDIQ contract for the professional administrative and consulting services. This is set aside for 8A. And then in terms of attachments, we have a fair amount. We have some FAR deviation, class deviation. So some FAR information we'll check out number of those. We have vendor question format. We have wage determination. We have the statement of work, instructions and evaluations, which are gonna be super critical. Those are broken out separately here. We do have a statement of work, labor categories, pricing worksheet. That'll be super uh, critical as well. We have what appears to be the solicitation document itself. Um, perhaps an updated instructions and evaluation here, as well as looks like a number of updates for the things that we just covered as well. But apparently they're still keeping those original documents. So where should we start? We also have amendment one on this too. So I'm going to attempt with starting with what appears to be the most recent solicitation doc. And since they have broken out pricing, instructions, evaluations, statement of work, uh, we'll just kind of see what they actually have in this document. So they're letting us know it's going to be Section 8A award. All 8A awards actually go through the SBA. That's how it works. So, yeah, we're immediately hit with clauses. Like I said, we're probably going to be relying on those outside documents. Yep. Reps inserts. Yeah. Okay. So we will be highly reliant, which is, which is helpful because these documents are separately broken out. So I'm going to, let's start with the statement of work. Let's start with the updated statement of work just to get a bit more of a feel. So 33 pages. We already know it's what professional administrative and consulting services. We know that giving us a bit of a background with some objectives individual tasks. So they're talking about digital content development task one. I'm guessing there's going to be a good bit of tasks. Task two, video, audio, photography. Let me zoom in a bit for you guys. My apologies. Task three, some PM support. Task four, transitioning in, which is optional. And guys, likely there's an incumbent on this. We'll see if there's a Q&A where they share that information. There's likely, you know, this is staffing, so there's likely people already providing this. Could be wrong. Um, we know this is going to kick off not until September 20th of this year. So 
there's going to be that on-ramp. There's also going to be a period for uh, evaluating proposals. There are a number of months between now and then. They're giving us kind of formats for the, the work. So key personnel and staffing, they're looking for roles for a PM, uh, a visual information specialist slash graphic designer, designer, video producer, It almost seems as if based on everything we've seen so far, it's really like graphic and media driven. The way they've advertised this is interesting because they're advertising it as a professional administrative and consulting services, which is fair. It's, it's generic, <laughs> it's generic at best. But I feel like they could have advertised it to be, you know, something that's more, you know, marketing or, or uh, media driven. But okay, we'll see what labor categories they gave us in that sheet. Not too much else here. So let's come over to our labor category worksheet with amendments. Okay, so yeah, this is a bit, a bit strange. I'm seeing consultant levels one through eight, management analyst, financial analyst, administrative support specialist, communication specialist, tech writers. That doesn't sound like anything that we just saw. Senior program managers, basically here's the, the definitions, descriptions. Um, so like, what am I missing? What am I missing, guys? You, you've, you've seen it as well as I did. They're asking for digital image, video, audio, photography support, PM support. I have not seen this before. I'm, I'm sure there's something else going on here because I'm really taken aback because they've straight up called for these positions here, which do not at all match. So. How do we make sense of this? First, I, I want to get back to the, okay. Key personnel staffing, PM, visual information specialist, graphic designer, and video producer. And then they go on to, you know, talk about the experience required. One of your experience may be used to substitute for one year of education, right? The PM, the graphic designer, the video producer, I don't know. I'm not seeing financial analysts. I'm not seeing, you know, I'm not, I'm not making this up. So we need to keep rolling. I'm going to check out the amendment just to see if there is a change of statement of work or something. The purpose of this amendment is to answer questions we've received from offerers. Right. Nothing too terribly helpful here. Do they have a Q&A doc? Vendor questions and answers? Maybe this will help us figure this out. And this is what you need to be doing with your bids. You need to figure them out when they don't make sense. Is there someone's asking, is there an incumbent? It says, yes, the incumbent is Brilliant Corporation. 
and then the dollar value it says is over 100 million and it expires august 27th of this year which is why the next contract is going to kick off in september okay so this is over 100 million dollar contract okay so this company would no longer be a small business under this particular NAICS code so if this is going to be solicited as a small business contract which it's set aside for 8a i mean they've they've outgrown their 8a program for sure absolutely outgrown it probably working with subcontractors etc 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 where'd it go so this is a massive contract like i said but the statement of work really just did not reflect that at all and you can see just based by these i mean it makes it actually kind of hard to read i prefer q a to be in a word doc it's just kind of a nightmare trying to go across this grid in my opinion but we are seeing them reference task two here, the video and audio photography. Where'd it go? My goodness. Yeah, this this document is a nightmare to navigate. They should at least have like a freeze pane on this or something. slowly slowly scroll like where are the it's so hard to navigate can the government please specify the level of importance of each factor okay i was just trying to get back to where i was Can the work be performed by one or more vendors? Can we propose additional labor categories? Okay. My God. This is just an absolute nightmare to try and read and follow where the questions and the answers are with this thing. And I'm about to be done with it, to be honest, because it doesn't make any sense. I know that I'm missing something on this because this is too huge of a contract for them to royally mess up. Why are they talking about media and, and only media in the statement of work? And then they're talking about finan financial analysts in the Excel sheet. I'm not sure. I know that I'm missing something. This would require more diving into. I'm not even, I mean, it's hard to make sense of even the Q&A here. About hours, image libraries currently used. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like, it would require more time. Obviously, very little time has been spent on this live going through this. Uh, but the state, you know, the statement of work, it's not that long. It's only 33 pages. Like, let me just control F, fine. Maybe I missed it. Financial analyst. No. I'm not making this stuff up. Labor categories. Financial analyst. We have technical writer. Try technical writer. We didn't see that. Technical writer. No. So, so none, none of these are being referenced in the statement of work. And that's kind of my... My, my challenge right now is 
None of these labor categories are mentioned, but there are other labor categories that are mentioned and then they're not mentioned in the pricing sheet. So there is a mismatch. They have different, okay. So they have different, I mean, it still says attachment A labor categories, then attachment A labor categories, but they are posted like several weeks apart. So they appeared to be as updates. Maybe they're just different sheets altogether. Maybe, maybe that will help us. No, same thing. Technical writers, right. Same, same sort of stuff. Okay. So definitely missing something here. I'm not putting the fault on contracting for this one because again, I don't know why it's not in the statement of work. We don't really need much more time than that to see that, but I'm going to go ahead and chalk it up to saying there, there's got to be more time or something. Okay. So we're seeing more task areas in this. So they have two different statements of work. So there's an attachment B statement of work. Yeah, it's like they have two different statement of works or something. I'm not sure. So dive into that one if you want to make sense of it. We'll just require more time. That's the last time that I'll say it. Let's go ahead and check in with the chat here. Let me clear up my tabs. Again, I'm not putting the fault on contracting for that one because I know it's just um, there would need more time to make adequate sense of that. So I'm not knocking that bid by any means other than the fact that there's like no time to respond to it at this point. So, all right, cool. What's going on, everybody? All right, we got Milo Madness, uh, Vladimir Henry here. Good to see you. Uh, Denver, Colorado. Nice. Alex Holmes, how much money do you think you need to start middlemanning? Can't really answer that question. Uh, Copeland Solutions, greetings everyone uh, from Georgia. Nice. I have an agency who reached out to me with a landscaping opportunity. Need help, please? Um, hopefully, I, I don't know, um, ask, ask a question. Um, what's your question? Uh, NWAMSS, I saw an IDIQ. It says, anticipates the award for one five one five year how do they work and what should i be mindful of will they just pick one contractor um doing my best to answer the question guys just to be fair the better questions you ask the more thoughtful questions you ask the, the better answers i can give you right um and that's just that's for everybody that's not for anybody in particular sounds like what you're saying is that it's a base plus four so that's a five-year contract. Maybe it's a maybe it's a base plus five. I'm trying to gauge based off what you're telling me. What that means, base and option years, means that you do the base year, and essentially, if you're doing, if, if contracting wants to renew the contract, they will execute one option year at a time. Okay, so those five years or or base plus five years, whatever the case is, those are not guaranteed. Um, the way it works is you work the base, and that's the point of the option years. They may or may not be executed. It could be a reflection of your performance. It could be a reflection of not having funding. Okay. There could be a couple of reasons why option years don't get executed um, or, you know, one contract gobbles up the need. And so it's no longer under this contract. So uh, that may not be technically correct to say, but things like that happen behind the scenes. The biggest reason is if they're not wanting to kind of court your company for five years, they could say, okay, we're not going to execute. We're going to get somebody else in. We're going to recompete this. We're going to put it through procurement 
again and get a better company. That's the primary reason that you as a contractor would um, basically have on your radar, making sure you're doing a good job, make sure you're having regular communication with contracting your core, whatever your POCs are, and then beginning to have that conversation, you know, three, four or five months even before the base year ends to see what it's looking like if they're going to execute the option. That way you can proceed in accordance with that decision. And hopefully that decision is to like, yes, like let's just keep doing what we're doing. Okay. That's kind of uh, high level stuff. Um, how and why do they extend the deadline? Um, you can extend the, ask them to extend the deadline to, if you need more time to put the proposal together. Uh, the primary reason you're going to have behind that is if you received new information or contract provided information in late notice, which is kind of like not fair, right? So you need more time. That's usually the go-to, but you know, changes, amendments, all these sorts of things uh, result in additional time being needed. And they'll add three or four days, they'll add a week to the deadline and they'll amend the solicitation in accordance with that. Um, what wording do you use when adding your markup rate on a bid proposal when doing a legal pass through? What wording do you use when adding? You don't use you don't use wording. You just use numbers. So every bid is different. It depends, Andre, what what the bid is asking for. But what wording do you use when adding your markup rate on a bid? So it sounds like what wording you're asking. What wording do you use for profit? You don't use wording. You just build in your profit and you fill it out in the pricing claims, right? If contracting wants a breakdown, they will ask for it or they will provide it upfront in the solicitation for services that like that I've never seen them ask. Like for construction, they will usually ask for, uh, you know, they could ask for time materials, overhead, profit, um, bonding, uh, costs. They could ask you to break those down upfront for construction, but for services, we don't, we don't usually see those type of breakdowns unless you're getting into the, say 10 million plus value of contracts where they're asking for wrap rates and all sorts of things uh, to be considered. But, you know, contracts that are the type of contracts that we look at, that could be 50K, could be 500K, could be 5 million, kind of in this range. We're not really seeing it because um, basically as the federal acquisition reads, that level of even like audited accounting systems. Okay. Those that kicks in over 10 million. So that level of scrutiny and breakdown is just not required. Okay. It's, it's too quote unquote, too insignificant in dollar size for them to drill down that much. Typically it doesn't mean you can't ever see it. And every agency is different and they will ask for different things, but typically what we cover on the channel and most of what you will see in that 50 K to 5 million range, it's going to be asking for pricing cleans, maybe Excel sheet with labor categories broken down, uh, and arguably, or, or just making up your own tables, okay? Sometimes it's just one number. These are the sorts of things you're gonna see 80, 90% of the time. So you don't have to worry too much about the wording. Um, or again, I think what you're getting at is like the breakdown. It, it's not, don't put something there because I, I mean, don't put something there that's not being asked for. The, one of the big problems in the industry is folks, you go out, and there's so much information out there and you start applying what midsize and large businesses are doing because that's what's really the voice in the GovCon industry is for, for mid to large sizes. Could be small businesses too, but a lot of that advice is for much, much larger contracts. And it really freaks out 
small businesses that are going after contracts under $10 million. Um, cause they're like, I need to have all this, this, and this first. Well, well you don't. Okay. Like you just, you don't, um, you will know when you do because they will ask you for it. So what I'm saying is don't put stuff there. What I mean is don't put the cart before the horse. Don't get yourself geeked out trying to do all this stuff because you saw some other company do it or you read an article or you want to, you were on a webinar because you don't even know who that was targeted to. Most of the stuff is not targeted to very small businesses, not, not small businesses, but very small businesses, meaning you haven't even won a contract yet, or you haven't won your first five to 10 contracts yet. Uh, it's, it's, 99% of it out there is not for you. And that's why we try to have a voice on this channel because it's it's not necessarily misinformation, you know, but it's not the right priority of information for you at this time. You're not at the right stage. So anytime you're, I'm totally soapboxing as always, but anytime you are listening to information, you have to ask, who is this intended for? Okay. And who is giving the information? Have they done this? Do they know? Okay. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump over to the next bid of the day. We are just having a good old time today. <laughs> um, bid number two, Nevada Army National Guard Yellow Ribbon event in Reno. Let's go. USPFO, Nevada. This is due May 15th, so uh, only a week. This is SDVOSB set aside, 721-110 for hotels. NAICS code, Reno, Nevada. Bit of uh, jargon here. They're Let's see. Evaluation of the quote will be based on lowest price technically acceptable. Award will be made to the vendor who represents the best value to the government. Basically saying, okay, we're going LPTA, but if your price is too low uh, or there is an option, they're giving themselves a loophole here. If there is something that's higher, maybe a bit higher, and the value that's being brought to the government is so much what they're asking for or so much better, the government's doing this to protect themselves. So they don't have to go with the lowest bidder only if they know the end product is not what they want. Even if it is quote unquote, technically acceptable, if it's still not like what they want, um, they build in this little loophole saying that they will represent or they will choose what represents the best value, even in, in place of an existing LPTA evaluation standing. Ho hopefully that makes sense. It's a bit of a loophole that they, they will use. Again, this is STVOSB. We have wage termination. Statement of work, we have pricing sheet, and then we have the solicitation. So start with the solicitation, and then we'll look at the pricing sheet. And for those of you who don't know Yellow Ribbon, again, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's lodging, it's, it's event-based, usually over weekends or individual days or in some instances, long weeks. So this is what was copy and pasted into the of listing page. So that's a repetition of information. They're referencing the statement of work. What, this is 35 pages, okay? So quote specifics, let me zoom in for you. All responsive quotes must include the following. Mailing address, if you have discount terms, registered in SAM and your price quote. So this looks like a price quote. So in order to be determined technically acceptable, you need to your proposed venue, event space, and your plan to accomplish the requirement. And you also need to demonstrate reasonable assurance that the offer can successfully provide the services outlined in the PWS, i.e. the lot, the, the location, the venue you will be choosing will be able to accommodate what they're asking for. And that could be conference rooms, that could be 
audiovisual equipment that could be a place for meals, could be food straight up. Um, and it could just be, you know, number of rooms, et cetera. So like, those are going to be the boxes that you check to be found to be technically acceptable or not technically acceptable. Reps and certs. Okay. It's kind of it for that particular doc. We are going to look at the pricing sheet. That's going to be much more telling about what they want quoted, hopefully. Lodging. So it's going to be two days, the 24th and 25th of June. Room rate blank. Two double, queen, or one king. Okay. How many rooms that we're looking for? How many rooms? So it says five rooms blocked for individual reservations for Friday, June 23rd with checkout June 26th. Okay. So they want you to lead with the room rates for that, I suppose off of five room blocks. So not a lot, but here they're saying conference room space accommodations for 75. And it looks like. I guess multiple media rooms, 75 occupancy, 35 occupancy, two rooms, total beverage, service, snack. Okay. This is actually going to be a bit difficult to fill out. But the good thing is they're having you price out everything individually. Okay. So this is just for one day. This is for June 24th. This is for June 25th. This is for audiovisual for all rooms. So all days. Um, if there's a parking rate here and then they, for the 24th, they have breakfast, lunch, and I don't see any dinner. And then on the 25th, they also have breakfast, lunch. So they want everything. So we had the question earlier about pricing breakdown, etc. This is pretty broken down. Okay. This isn't your pricing broken down, but these are line items being broken down. So your pricing must be all encompassing for these. So if you are kind of like, I don't know, playing a game called not hide the money, but like, how are you building profit into each one of these line items? Cause there's not going to be just a line somewhere that says, what's your profit? It's like, this is it. So each of these line items have to have profit on it or certain line items have to be pro have profit on it. And you need to be careful about that because for example, if they extend a particular option and they get rid of a other option or they reduce another option, well, if you had more profit built into certain item or maybe you're breaking even on a certain item to be competitive, for example, for lunch or breakfast, right? Um, maybe you're breaking even on that and you're making up your money on the audiovisual stuff or the meeting space or something like that. If they don't end up, and, and the contract is what it is. These, these are not necessarily optional, but if something changes where they, they're like, we need more of this, we need less of that, that can throw you in or out of profitability. So it's something to be mindful of. So if you're just doing a full split of profit on all of these items, it is think of it like if you're investing in stocks, right? Like how are you diversifying? Like, okay, there's a mutual fund and you're going to lose lots of money on fees on that, but it is supposed to be more diversified. It is more diversified versus like an individual stock, right? But then you're going to like an index fund and that's maximum diversification, right? Because it's being diversified over an entire, uh, an entire market. So ways to think about how you are spreading your profit when you are trying to be competitive and also kept safe when it comes to individual line items like this. 
And like, as you see, like this is the end of the document. So you fill out your company info and that's it. Okay. What else do we have? Anything else on this one? Statement of work. We'll take a peek at the SOW. Okay, they're asking for 25 mile radius within Reno. Meals. And we already saw that from the pricing, so that helps because we already know meals. We're thinking breakfast and lunch. We do not see dinners. Again, the nights will be Friday and Saturday, although I'd like to see something more specific about the rooms, conference rooms, lodging rooms, because it was a little, little bit unclear what what it meant in the solicitation when it's saying like 35 75 they're giving us very specific what they want they want buffet style include full breakfast lunch to include three entree selections okay so all of that would need to be required uh and provided by whatever venue you were using and that's what you're going to be breaking down into your quote-unquote technical piece of your short proposal to go along with this quote to demonstrate that whatever venue or, or de demonstrate what your venue has to offer to make sure it is at least accommodating of what they're asking for so that you can check those boxes for being technically acceptable. And then you can move over to a competitive best, uh, most advantageous value rating for the government as they put it. Okay, so not too terribly complicated, certainly much more straightforward than the PACS contract that we spent a few minutes on. Um, Sarath, what course, what course you recommend from your course list for a newbie starting fed bids for SUV? I don't have a course list. Um, we just have our bid team that we kind of rock out with. Um, that's our, you know, that's our kind of our, our cross that we're on. So, um, we don't have a, a big list of courses or anything like that. You might be thinking of somebody else. Maybe Charmaine, good to see you. What's going on. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Uh, Rick, triple seven, triple eight, submitted a quote for RFQ. Do I have to go through with the contract if I don't want to without repercussions? Um, I don't know if you asked this question previously or if somebody else asked this question previously, but this I got the same exact question last week. So my answer is not going to be very different. Uh, depends on how the contract is going to be signed. If you win it, if it's unilateral or bilateral, if it's unilateral, all it takes is contracting to sign for it to go into effect. Bilateral gives you time to review it before you sign it. So that will be kind of like the first thing to watch out for if you do win. And then it becomes a game of um, the worst of two evils. And the worst of two evils is going on with the contract that you know that you cannot perform on. It is much better to just let contracting know upfront, I cannot perform on this, even though it will be bad. Contract could be terminated for cause could be a black eye on your report card could even be as bad as preventing you on from bidding on contracts for the next, you know, three to five years. Like that's worst case scenario if you default on a contract. Um, but I don't think it would necessarily, and I don't know, but it, it if you are upfront uh, and you win it, you could just say, you know what, we can't do this. You know, so communication is key with this. And if you want out the same advice that I gave last week when we had this question was, 
just email contracting like before the award is even made. Like if you can get in, just email them before the award is made. Say, hey, please throw my quote out. My quote is no longer valid. We missed something. Uh, and then hopefully they will take you out of the evaluation. And that would be the most prudent thing to do. And hopefully you already did that if that is the case. My question becomes, why are you why are you in the situation in the first place? Why have you submitted a bid on a contract? And now you don't want to go through with it. Um, odds are it's either a financial piece or a subcontractor piece. Like somebody pulled out on you and you don't have somebody to fulfill. So like fulfillment slash sub piece, or you were going to require to like front money in some sort of way. And you once were okay with that. And now you're no longer okay with that. Or I guess number three is you could have missed something and you just found out you missed something and you're like, Oh crap, I really hope I don't have to do this now because I way underbid it and I'm going to lose my butt. That's probably one of those scenarios. Um, all right. EXP tech. Hey Derek, there are a lot of GSA market research to be replied. Does it help to reply to market research if PP missing? Um, try to understand the question. GSA market research. I'm not sure what you mean by that. There's lots of market research on Sam. If you have a GSA schedule, there is also market research in inside of like, you know, GSA eBuy. So I'm not kind of sure what you're referring to with the setup there. And then the second part, does it help to reply to market research if PP is missing? Uh, PP meaning past performance. Performance. I don't really see how that ties in with market research. So just in general, is it helpful to reply to market research? Market research helps contracting gauge interest of what vendors would be interested in the bid when it comes out in the future. That can be helpful for them to primarily determine the set aside uh, and also a step further, shall it be set aside for small business or are they just going to open it up to everybody? Um, and then, you know, of course, within that, if it is set aside for small businesses, do they take it a step further and do any of the um, other set asides like woman owned, veteran owned, hub zone, 8A, things like that. So in general, like that's what responding to market research looks like. And it's how it's helpful for you as a contractor, how it's helpful is it can help to get the future solicitation set aside for whatever pool set aside group that you belong to if you belong to one but unless you're 8a playing the sole source game you're not going to in essence be winning contracts by responding to sources out market research uh andy dawson good morning everyone here and and ready to be i'm going to assume that's like an amazed or a shocked in awe face something like that which is which is uh, i don't know i don't know if we can live up to that um it is government contracting after all, but certainly appreciate it. I want to know about non-appropriate funds. This requirement is in support of NAF activity. There is not subject to the provisions of the federal acquisition. I don't understand the question there. Please feel free to uh, reiterate. Clarity 3000, would we pay for these services ourselves and then get reimbursed by the government? Yes, you would pay for these services yourself and then you would get uh, reimbursed by the government, 100%. Yep. And then um, XP Tech sounds like you're saying yes, past performance um, for sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, respond to market research is as, as I described it then. Let's go ahead, guys, and bounce to our next bid. And hey, if you are 
join the stream today, smash the like button. If you're new here or if you're not yet, consider subscribing to the channel. If you want to hang out on future lives, bring your questions. If you like what we do, if you believe in what we do, um, we try to do something different in the space than what anybody else does by giving you a, a, a bunch of value free of charge through our YouTube channel. You know, spending my time going through these real live bids with you. Not a lot of people doing that out there. Um, so if you get value from that, again, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel. Let me know that it is something that you are here for. Um, feedback is super important to me and I appreciate it. And I do my best, guys. I know I, I can't answer every question. I know I don't necessarily give the best answers to every single question or even do the best bid reviews for every bid. But I, I do my best with, with what I have. And um, I think it's helpful to a lot of people. And that's why we do it. So. So we have this next bid for the property book officer S4 clerk. This is for the Army MIC Mission and Installation Command, uh, Fort Benning specifically. Let me get a drink. So this is due, updated in just under a week, May 15th. Small business set aside, so total small. 561330 Professional Employer Organizations. This is one of the very, very few staffing NAICS codes. So again, Gives us a bit of an insight on the title here. And again, Fort, Fort Benning, Georgia. So it's saying that you shall provide qualified labor management in order to effectively and efficiently establish contract logistics support for the unit. Attachments, we have solicitation, we have an amendment, and then we have responses to Q&A. So we'll start with the solicitation and work our way from there. That's the 1449 form straight into pricing cleanse. This is going to be 12 months for at least a base period to provide the property book officer unit supply clerk. Could be one person, could be multiple people. We don't know yet. I'm thinking maybe it's one person or two people though. We don't see any option years. This is like, this is it. Like, so your unit price is going to be per month. And then the total is going to be for 12 months total. And that will be repeated again down on this line, your grand total price just for these services. Straight into the PWS, which looks like it's going to be lengthy. So this is all PWS. And this is something that's been pre-written. I know that's why it is so lengthy. Contracting is just sliding it in here. You do definitely want to go through that. It's definitely going to help you with understanding the requirements, the education, the experience required for this position or positions, as well as the, uh, the conversation you would be having if you're going to go out and staff and fulfill this position. So what you're saying is saying the contractor will provide uh, material, equipment, supplies, which are incidental to the PWS, materials and equipment. The contractor shall use the equipment type and size suitable for the required operation and shall operate the equipment from existing government furnished electrical power sources. Okay, again, this is for a property book officer, S4 clerk. Okay, clerk doesn't really make you think heavy or equipment, maybe heavy equipment. 
sounding a bit more logisticy and right here it's saying contract logistic support. So, you know, that's why, you know, reading is fundamental guys. And that's why the statement of work is there. So, and it could be for more than one person. You know, we, we have not ruled that out. This could be for a team. There could be, you know, these different tasks. And it's, it's increasingly likely that that's the case as we see the numerous tasks. Okay, then we have wage determination, bar clauses. Okay, so we do find ourselves with a evaluation. Government tends to award a single contract resulting from this. That's most advantageous. Got to be technically acceptable first at a fair market price, technical acceptability. Got it. So it's going to be pass fail. That's what acceptable, unacceptable means. Respond to the PWS. Number one, technical experience. Offer shall provide detailed previous work experience meeting the requirements of the solicitation, including listing of not more than three or complete or ongoing contracts within the last two years. Okay. And guys, those don't have to be, it's not chicken and egg. It does not have to be government contracts. It can be city, state, local, or if you want to use subcontractors, past performance, Feel free to do that. Um, not the most forthcoming uh, way that we normally see things presented. That sounds a lot more like past performance or past experience than it does, you know, technical. The purpose of this amendment, so we're into our amendment, is to provide uh, answers to questions and to extend the due date. So we had the question earlier about, hey, why do they extend due dates? Well, here's, here's an example. There's an amendment. There is questions and now they're kicking it back by however many days right expected to see a list of questions and answers instead it's thrown us back into the solicitation perhaps they've highlighted changes that they've made i don't see that i don't see that at all i don't see any highlights i don't see so you definitely have to like pay much more attention to this to see like, okay, what are they showing me here in this amendment? Because they're saying here, like, did I miss it? I don't think I missed it. They're saying the purpose of this amendment is to provide responses to offers, questions, see attachment and to provide an updated PWS. Okay. So that part I get the closing date will be extended to May 15th. Okay. Where are the answers to the questions that are quote unquote attached? I see a statement of work. I see a change in color and text a tiny bit. Typically when there's changes, they will highlight those, which was my first go-to as well, but we don't see the highlights for the changes. So contracting, please highlight the changes so we can see it. Nobody reads contracts word for word. If we don't know what you've changed and you've just hid them in here, nobody's going to know. Usually contracting will highlight it. Usually they're very good about drawing attention to the changes. Sometimes they'll even say what those changes are in the amendment. They've done neither in this instance. So makes it harder for competition. Okay, so they highlighted this. 
Okay, so there may be something to pay attention here too. We have a little bit of a highlight, but wasn't that highlight on the original too? What page is this? Page 47. Let's go to page 47 on the original. Contract logistical support. Yeah, contract. So the pages, we can tell the pages are off a little bit because now this one's on 46, but the highlight is there on both documents. So even the highlight is not indicative of a change. The page number for which this falls on is indicative of a change, but we still don't know what that change is. So again, contracting, please highlight changes. Please tell us what the changes are. And I don't see list of questions and answers anywhere in this so kind of kind of a nightmare would definitely need to reach out to contracting okay so they've they've attached it separately so there's the attached there's the separate attachment but again what were those things that were changed we still don't know maybe they're answered in this so is there an incumbent for this opportunity yes there is an incumbent here's the award number so they're basically telling you go look it up it says, if so, please provide the incumbent name, the number, and the value. They did not provide that. They only gave you the award number. They're telling you to go look it up in FPDS yourself. It's this opportunity for only one person. They say yes. So that did answer our question. It is one for one supply tech. One supply tech, even though it is advertised as a property book officer S4 clerk. Okay. Supply tech. Sure. Whatever. The government expects the technical proposal will be separate from the price proposal. Okay, 20 page limit, 12 point font. Please provide a CAPE statement documenting how you plan to meet the technical requirements of the statement of work. There is no specific format for pricing, just, and we come, we come to this a lot. They're saying, does the government have a Excel file you want us to use? Is there a certain way you want us to break out the pricing? Again, they're saying no specific format, but there is that one line item on the SF 1449 and we even had this question the other day on our bid team, where it's like, hey, do I give them the breakdown? And it's like, no, you don't give them the breakdown if they don't ask for the breakdown. You lead with what they ask for. And if that's very minimal, if, it's that, if that's one number in some instances, then your answer becomes you give them one number. If they need more information, they'll come back to you. It seems this is for one year. Please confirm. Is there a plan to extend the contract? Okay, the government does not plan to extend the contract. We already garnished that information as well. It's just for one year. If the offer wants to provide a price proposal in the case of an extension is necessary, you can do so. Please ensure that that is properly labeled as an extension proposal. Okay, guys, we talk about alternate proposals uh, very, very occasionally. This is an extension proposal. Hey, this is what would cost if you want to do more than one year. Not going to hurt you to provide that because your, comp your competition is probably not doing that. Or at least they weren't thinking that more than likely until this question was asked. And now everybody sees that. Okay, so like good stuff sometimes in the Q&A. I mean, not, not sometimes, but th there's always good stuff in the Q&A. If nothing else, it gives you an idea of who your competition is that's asking these questions. But they're giving you 20, 80 hours approximately. Okay, so they're telling you, okay, it's one full-time equivalent. They're, they're saying secret clearance, though, so that's a great question. So um, this was super helpful. Like that Q&A really changed the outcome of this bid for me basically from a no bid to a bid, depending on 
other factors. It is small business set aside. So go ahead and round that one out and check back in with the chat. Mary, for your bid team service, do we have to already be on the GSA schedule? No. So our my bid team has nothing to do with GSA schedules. So we do have a number of companies that also happen to be on GSA schedules, but bid team is based on SAM.gov. So it has nothing to do with GSA schedules. I'm about to submit my first bid tomorrow. Sweet. What exactly do I do with the reps and certs? Do I just add signature to the end and submit? Um, no, the reps and certs was like, sometimes it's like 20 pages, right? With those little boxes that you have to check. So you need to read those and all those blank spaces you have to check for your company. Now, if you don't want to do that, if you're registered in SAM, that's already complete when you register in SAM and you get your cage code. So you can log into your entity inside SAM.gov, click next about halfway through the pages until you get to your FAR DFARS report. You can print that there, save it in a folder. Now you have your reps and certs ready to go every time you submit a bid. Um, Hopefully that helps. And there is no signature for reps and certs, by the way. All right, Matt Myers, did I hear correctly that you can use subcontractors past performance to satisfy the requirement for three? Uh, yeah, you can. Yeah, it's written to the FAR. Um, you can use subcontractors past performance, okay? You can use subcontractors, you can use uh, key personnel, or you can use predecessor companies. Those are the three things that it reads in the FAR that you can use, you know, so like you, if you had another company or you got somebody on your team that came from another company and they have experience, right? Or you're working uh, with a teaming partner or subcontractor, their experience. These are all different ways to use other past performance because that experience is being brought for your approach to the contract. It doesn't have to be so limited to only the work that you've done, you know, ever or in the last, you know, three to five years. It is not the chicken and the egg thing that it appears to be, okay? Because that would stop every new contractor from coming in and getting into the space, okay? There's just misinformation out there, or in some instances, lack of the right information. Again, it's what we tried to provide to you on the channel. So, yeah. And then also, it doesn't have to be government contracts. It doesn't have to be city, state, local, federal contract past performance. It can be commercial contracts as well, or again, anything that you've done in a personal capacity, that you're bringing as the owner or key personnel, you know, within your company too. So you're the best. Thank you. Uh, no problem. Uh, you're very welcome as well. Good luck on the bid too. Fingers crossed. Right. And do not put, don't it, it's exciting. Okay. And if it's the first one, I think you said it was, it's very exciting. Yes. Enjoy the moment, live in the moment, but do not put the expectation there that you're going to win. If you do, what's what what's going to look like with your your psychology, your emotions, your mental state, your overall morale? What's gonna what it's gonna look like is it's gonna go. Let me go to the top of the screen here. We'll go all the way over. So you're here. You submitted your first bid, and when you lose, you're gonna go here, and then you'll level out, and then you bid again. You're gonna go down here, and you level out if you lose, and then if you lose, you're gonna just do this until you you dig yourself in the ground. And it, for most, it only takes a few bids or a few months where they're like, this isn't for me because I haven't won after I did it three or four times. Do not set expectations on yourself, at least unreasonable ones. If you want to put expectation on yourself, at least, at least put yourself in a game that you can win. Like if you're playing a game that the chances for you winning are very, very low, meaning I got to win a contract 
my, my first contract has to be a win or my first three to five bids have to be a win or my first three months I have to win a contract. If that is the game and expectation you're placing on yourself, it's like being in a casino, you know, like the, the favor is stacked for the house. Like you're, you're most, you know, eight out of 10 will lose that game. So don't play that game. Don't start out playing that game because you'll start out playing a losing game. Play a longer term game. You give yourself more time, more space to grow, to improve from those bids because each bid will get better. You will become more strategic. Your proposals will become more technical. You will be more compliant. And if you're not hopping around too much, your pricing strategy will also get better. And if you're using subs or you're doing legal middlemaning, that will also get better. Okay. Communicating with them, educating them, getting more than one quote. You know, a lot of these things that people struggle with from the get-go, you need to give yourself grace. You need to give yourself time. And if you have an expectation placed upon yourself of, well, I want to quit my job or I need to pay my mortgage or, you know, whatever. And if that doesn't happen in two or three months or two or three bids, then there's something wrong with government contracting, right? Or it's not for you or it's not a fit. Don't even like, don't, and this is for everybody. Of course, this isn't just for the person who asked the question. Uh, don't, don't start out doing that way. Just put your time into something else then. Like, don't, don't bother. Please like, do not bother because it won't work for most of them won't work. And if you do happen to win and you don't have that set up, you're still going to be challenged. Even if you do win your first contract, you go after, even if you do win one or two, three bids in your first three months. Okay. You're not home. Like you're not done because there's the rest of the year. Like there's still the game to be played and that will quickly lose its, you know, you will quickly lose your high from that first award. Um, if you do happen to be one of the lucky few who do that in a short period of time and you'll be back to the same challenge. And in some cases it could be even worse because now, right now you don't, now you don't even have the energy of the underdog of like, okay, I'm going to prove myself wrong or, or whatever, right. I'm going to prove them different. I can do it. Right. Cause now you've done it. Now it's almost, it messes with you even more. So it's the same as the people who like, you know, get the, win the lottery tickets, right. And then the money's gone in a year. Like you don't, you don't want that. Like you, you want to grow into it over time. So play the long game. Don't, don't play the, the short term game. And I'm saying this because I know so many of you are, I know so, so many of you are, and I know so many of you are not going to uh, kind of heed the warning here. Um, all good things, you know, they, they usually come through hard work. You know, it's not, it's not quick. It's not get rich quick overnight, anything like that. Give it 12 months, you know, bid consistently every single month, get better with each bid. If you do that for a year, odds are you're going to win one or several contracts. Odds are, and that looks like over a year, maybe, you know, one, your first month, maybe one, your, your you know, one first month, one, your second month, but then like try to get up to two a month. Right. So somewhere around like 15 to 20 bids throughout a whole year. Right. And that doesn't mean it's going to be evenly, you know, distributed. Like you could win bid 18, 19 and 20. Right. With, with that whole, that whole delay. Right. Or you could win, you know, you could win bid three, bid nine, bid 16. Like it could be nicely distributed that way. Like we don't know. You know, we, we just don't know, but putting yourself in an expectation of like, give me, give me 12 months and 20 bids where I know I, I try to do better on each and every single one. That is a much more reasonable game. It's a much more 
like so many more will will be successful if that's the game that you play and if you are wanting to play a game um and you play anything that is more impatient than that it's probably not worth playing so again just advice for those of you which if you're watching this this is for so many of you um who are doing your first bid or first bids or you're like man like what is this Derek guy talking about i haven't even submitted my first bid um so much of it is mental because i see it people burn out people give up don't be like them play the longer game and don't focus on winning focus on the activities that will result in winning that's the secret that's the key don't focus on winning Okay, on to the next, on to the next. And that was my answer, what I've been trying to get back to for the question that was asked, okay? Enjoy the moment. Sure, like it's very exciting. And everybody you submit is very exciting. But get back to the, you know, get back to the plan here. We don't want to live, if we live by the outcome of this bid and it doesn't go our way, we're going to be dead. So we need to like focus on our processes and our systems. And that's where we need to live. Hopefully that makes sense to some of you. Hopefully that reaches some of you. Um, Joe Banks for similar situated or simplified acquisition. Yes. Do we still have to do 51% of the work? No. Um, would that include contract management? If so, what is included in contract management? Yeah. So simplified acquisition. Okay. So we're talking about 51% of the work. So we're talking about uh, where simple, uh, limitations on subcontracting does apply. And you're saying. Okay. There's a bit of a contradiction here. So, um, for a simplified acquisition contract, so below 250K, do you still have to do 51% of the work? No, because limitations on subcontracting do not apply to simplified acquisition contracts. Okay. Similarly situated entities, do you have to do 51% of the work? No, not in any instance, not if it's above or below simplified acquisition threshold. Why? Because the money's still going to where government wants it to go. That's going to be harder for you to do if it's like an SDVOSB set aside. Um, or a hub zone set aside, but if it's just total small business set aside, it is much easier or much more practical for you as a small business to team with another total small business. And between the two of you, right, anywhere from 51% to 100% of the work is being done, like that's fine because the money is going to where it needs to go, which is what? A total small business. So again, if it's 8A or hub zone or whatever, it's going to be harder for you to find, you know, because again, it has to be awarded for whatever that set aside is as well. So if it's marked 8A, First, you have to be an 8A. And then if you're wanting to do the similarly situated route, then you have to find another 8A company to do the work, right? Government's happy because the money's going towards 8As, right? And that's the secret of understanding similarly, similarly situated entities. Um, but then it's also important to note that any subcontractors that that 8A uses, the similarly situated entity uses, that, that percentage does not go. So if they're gonna be selling out to another link in the chain, that link of the chain that does not go to meeting the uh, the minimum percentages okay so hopefully hopefully that those short answers help bullet that in kurt graham uh, best way to approach prime contractor for work so if you're a sub and you're wanting to approach primes um it's relationship based with the emphasis on communication show eagerness to uh to do the work and quote jobs but it's just not something that i recommend um uh, it depends on what your end goal is. If your end goal is to be a sub, cool. I mean, it's not really what I what I teach at all, so I can't give too much advice. But if your end goal is to be a prime, I recommend being a, starting out as a prime. Don't start out as a sub with your end goal to be a prime. Now you can, and there's nothing wrong with it. And in some industries, 
it may be a bit more helpful. If you can't figure out what you want to do, you don't know how to price, you don't know anything, yes, start out being a sub by all means. Lots of people tell you to do that. I, I do not disagree with that, okay? However, you can start out as a prime if you want. And if you can figure the stuff out as you go, or if you're working with teaming partners and subcontractors and can manage those, that is another way. You don't just have to be a sub for two, three, four, five years to wait to become a prime. You can be a prime. You can say, okay, I'm going to be a prime. And then win a contract next month as a prime, like you can, like you absolutely can do it. Cause I've seen it. Happens on our bid team, happens all over the place. We even see it on YouTube. Hey, we won our first bid as a prime. Okay. Uh, so it depends on the contrast of what the end goal is. A lot of people out there, they just put the nail in the coffin saying, no, you have to be a sub. Like you have to be a sub. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt you to be a sub. It's just going to cost the time and the opportunity cost of learning to be a prime. So it's like if you're you're, you're learning to be a sub, well, do you want to be a sub or do you want to be a prime? If you want to be a prime, why would you learn to be a sub? It's not about that. It's about learning the work. And it's the difference between that is are you self-performing or are you teaming? If you're going to self-perform it all, then yeah, like if you have to self-perform, you have to learn how to do this stuff. So go be a sub and learn to do this stuff. But if you're going to be working with a teaming partner, there's lots of people out there that already know how to do this stuff. So why do you have to pay that debt? Why do you have to pay that burden? And that's the distinction people don't make when they are saying or giving advice. My advice is depends on what you want to do. A luxury card store. I need to keep my day job for a while, but I'm worried that my current employer will find out. So I'm stuck. I don't see a question there. Um, I don't know how your current employer would find out unless it's like a government agency. If you have to worry about like OCI conflict of interest, but if you don't have to worry about OCI, just do it nights and weekends on the side. Jared Reed, after submitting bid, will the COB contracting all bidders regarding who was awarded? No, they will not. Um, communication with contracting is very limited. Some are much more forthcoming with communicating. Others aren't. Every person is different, just like every bid is different. So what you should do is when you submit a bid is you should put the last line, please confirm receipt. Make sure they got the bid first off. And if they don't, you don't hear back from them, then you start calling them or you start emailing them until they confirm it. So that's kind of like milestone number one. Make sure they got the bid, okay? And if you haven't heard anything after a week or two, depending on the size of the bid, the rule of thumb is like two weeks. Also, depending on when the work starts, when is the POP? Like if it's next week, they got awarded ASAP, right? But if it's not for three months, like, okay, this this may take a bit longer, right? So general average rule of thumb, use your, in, your own, you know, intuition on this, but <clears throat> two weeks and then you follow up with them. You send an email, hey, has an award been made? Can you provide us an updated anticipated award date? Things like that. Uh, and start trying to get feedback that way. Phone, email, keep it professional, keep it short, keep it to the point. But no, like they don't have to. Like lots of people are like, hey, I submitted my first bid and I didn't hear anything. Yep, that's right. That That is the normal. You need to normalize that in your brain. So what are you going to do about it? Contracting don't care. Like they, they just don't care. What are you going to do about it? They may not even be there. They may be on vacation. They may have changed hands. And now the POC is a different person in contracting. So you have to take it into your own hands with initiating communication on the regular. That's that's the potion. That's the solution. And even that has minimal effectiveness for certain contracting 
specialists and officers, but it is the only string we have to play on. It is a pet peeve, it is a pet peeve in the industry that contracting is not more communicative. But we can't sit around and complain about it. All we can do is take it in our own, into our own hands and do the best that we can. One solicitation says that you have to have a reseller license. Sure, I can find a sub who has that license. Sure. Should I read FAR clauses and reps and certs to see if that's allowable or ask contracting officer? Um, I mean, I guess it depends. Like, are you doing, if it's a legal middleman, then, you know, a lot of times if you're talking about reseller license, you're talking about a product or you're talking about like a license for IT, things like that. It's not like a service service. If it's below simplified acquisition, um, it's not going to matter. So for example, I used to do like a lot of Motorola bids where we were authorized Motorola reseller. Okay. And they wanted, what did the government want? They wanted Motorola equipment. Well, of course, where was that going to come from? It was going to come from Motorola, but it was set aside for small business. So small businesses had to go to Motorola and get a quote. Well, in order for us to do that, we had to become an authorized Motorola reseller and then Motorola would give us the quote. Now, if what you're saying is there's a manufacturer brand name, right? And then you're not an authorized reseller and then you're going to authorize reseller. You're not going to be competitive in your pricing because there's going to be you, then there's going to be the authorized reseller and then there's going to be the manufacturer. That's three links. Okay. You're going to, you could be competitive with two. You're not going to be competitive with three. So depending on which one of those you are. Joe Banks, thanks for the info. Can you tell me the best approach? Uh, tell me the best approach is contacting subs for a potential opportunity. Yeah. So Joe, it's, it's through education. When you pick up the phone, I mean, we, rec we recommend like using Google maps, right? Cause it shows you reviews of companies, shows you the radius. These things are important, especially if someone's going to a site visit, et cetera. It's with it's, you leave with education and also trying to like educate yourself. Right. But also educating the sub if it's, if it ends up being a fit. So, one of the first things you want to find out when you speak to a sub is if they know anything like about government contracting. Um, some people shy away from even saying it's a government contract. I, I'm, I take a different stance. I'm like, it's almost like dating, right? If, if the, if you know, the person doesn't want kids and you want kids, like, do you really just want to like, hold on to that? Like, no, like we don't waste each other's time. So find out, in my opinion, one of the first things you're, you're, finding out is if they have any experience with government contracting. For example, they could have a cage code. You could talk to them about a bid and then they just drop you and then they, they cut you out and they go direct, right? That's a, a great reason to find out if they know anything about government contracting, right? Also, another reason to find out what they know is they may have been burned. Um, lots, there's lots of horrible primes in the space that just use and abuse subs. E even if a word's made and sub starts working on, um, they don't know what they're doing. So the sub only was giving partial information. So now the sub is being made to like, you know, make up the slack or something that the prime, like just, just terrible. Right. So knowing that is the environment you are operating in, you have to ask like this, like preliminary intro stuff. Right. Cause wouldn't you want to know that too? If that's who you're talking about, somebody who, who, has gone through that experience over the last couple of years. So once you kind of get a good pulse on where they sit with that and they haven't been burned, maybe they know a little bit about it, the government contracting, maybe they don't, then if everything's good, then you can kind of move to the next piece, which is more of you educating them on the opportunity of government contracting, right? Federal customers, 
longer contracts. You know, usually you're, you're also finding out what are the pain points of, of the subcontractor, right? Usually, you know, they have, usually all subs have, or, or any commercial service provider has clients that they would love to fire, right? So if they can diversify their their contracts, um, get off kind of the, the rat wheel is kind of the biggest challenge that those companies are facing. Smaller contracts, uh, not even worth the, the hassle and the complaints, small margins. Um, this becomes an education piece, almost like sales, right? You letting them know what the opportunity is. And after you do that, if there is buy-in, you can let them know, well, there is an opportunity I'm looking and, and you're looking for, you always lead with long-term, right? I'm looking for a long-term partner. We, you know, we're a federal contractor. We do this all over the United States. You, know, you just give them a little bit about your company. There is a specific opportunity that I'd be interested in teaming with your company. Um, we do all the government side of things. We just need somebody to help us with, uh, you know, the service being provided and, you know, we'll, we'll be doing all the management, et cetera. Right. You don't have to go too much into it. If they're interested, you know, you can send them a sanitized statement of work. Um, if there's a site visit, uh, you can see what their interest level is with that. Just keep in mind when they go to a site visit, they're representing your company, not theirs. So they should be signing your company on the sign in sheet. Um, so that's, you know, it's, it's education and communication. Like I always say, that's those like those three bullet points are typically what most are not getting right. And if you do that, it's kind of like the inch becomes a mile thing. So if you get that wrong at the very beginning, that inch, you know, over time, like it, it ends up being way wrong. Right. So I think if you just focus on this stuff up front, getting this right, it's going to be much more parallel to the way you want things to go. That would be my recommendation. Um, XO Connor, so with sales tax, the government does not pay sales tax. So there's a, a sales tax exempt form that every state has. So you have to get that and you can ask contracting for it as well. Sometimes it's included with the bid. Um, sometimes you can just like ask contracting and they'll provide it, but yeah, the government does not pay uh, sales tax. Yeah. So like, yeah, exactly what I just said. That's the case and that's going to be not on services, but that would be on, on products and things. The question is, do you know, of, uh, anyway, do you know of a way to bid with my full information exposed? My employer supplies services to DOD and we consider me bidding on a, any government contract, a conflict of interest. Yeah. So, so you would have to, um, if you're going to bid direct and you, you want to like cut out your employer. Cause you're like, Hey, I know how to do this. I learned it from them. So now I want to like cut them out and do it myself on the side and eventually leave my job. Okay. Um, you have to create a SAM.gov entity registration. You have to register and SAM yourself, get your own cage code. When you do that, you do have, there's a little box you can click to make your information public or not. That's the button and you can go change it too, if you already have one, but there's a button. I don't know what page it's on or anything, but you can make your entity public or not. So searchable, findable by contracting officers or not. And, and on the flip side, there's many of you out there where that was ticked and you didn't know you were ticking it. And now your information is not accessible and you're thinking that it is to, again, for example, be like seen or viewed by contracting officers. So there is that toggle that exists. All right, guys, I know I'm a bit uh, chatty today, but hopefully it's, well, it's not chatty, right? I'm trying to answer questions. Um, we have one more bid and I do, I do want to cover it. 
so dental services bpa uh blanket purchase agreement what does that mean it means do you do you win money when you win this contract no it doesn't it means you win a vehicle a vehicle for future task orders in which those there will be money associated with so winning a bpa is not a result in winning value it's winning a, a ticket to play the game um the question becomes is it a single award or a multiple award like are multiple people going to be competing even once you get this ticket are there other people that have tickets too or is it just you that has the ticket that's what we'll be looking for on this one this is due in a couple of days may 12th of course they have a dentist next code 621210 and this is vienna ohio I don't know if this is labor or if this is materials, equipment stuff. So we'll be kind of looking out for that. I think it might, might be like labor and services though, like dentists. We have a statement of work and then Q and A only. So that's interesting. Don't see a formal solicitation. Don't see pricing necessarily. So in the statement of work, provides dental services required by reservists to ensure that they are worldwide deployable. Okay. So this is, you know, think soldiers going to deploy, you know, soldiers, Marines, etc. This is army. So I believe, uh, air force, my bad air force. Okay. Reservists, right? Exactly. So air force. So to deploy, got to be able to deploy worldwide. If their teeth are not good, imagine having a reservist out somewhere, stationed somewhere, and then they start having dental issues. That will affect and impair, or in some cases, prevent them from doing their jobs. So the background and the reason for this is they have to be deployable ready. We see a lot of contracts like this for the army. This is for the air force, but just kind of know like, okay, like that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Didn't necessarily know that was a thing, but now that I hear it makes sense. Yeah. So this is interesting. Like we just have a very short statement of work and then Q and a like, what do they want? So we will have to double check the info here to make sure zoom in a bit for you since this is going to be a bit more important okay there's going to be a single award so we asked the question is it single or multiple so it's single this is the lowest price offer and bpa is a simplified yeah it's a simplified method right we we, we know nothing we, we we literally know nothing nothing at all um i like if, if i if you want to bid this that's cool but we know nothing so this contractor must sub also submit a price list uh government is requesting that you submit one hourly rate guys and this is why like okay like you have to read this stuff um i know we go through it fast contractor must submit a, a price list they also want one hourly rate for the dentist that includes all services mileage and lodging necessary to provide dental exams per the statement of work. Okay. So they're actually putting it in the same type of listing description rather than the actual documentation. Okay. So they're just, they're just putting it here. And that's why we're here reading through this because it was basically our last option and we did find it. 
In accordance with the statement of work, contractor must document that they have the technical capability and the ability to be on site. Examples of acceptable documentation include degree, license, and years of experience for those dentists. So basically what they're asking for is like, tee it up for us. Like, what are some of the dentists you have? What is their hourly rate? And that will include services, mileage, and lodging. The hourly rate lets us know that we don't know, you know, like how many, that's why this is also BPA because it's a bit of like an IDIQ as well. Like it's, we don't know how many days, we don't know how many hours. So they're just saying by the hour, okay. Including like per diem. So the lodging and the mileage and stuff. What's that going to be per hour? So you can provide that along with the credentials for the dentists that you have, for example, degree, license, years of experience, i.e. resumes is really what would, you know, illustrate that best. They're looking for that in response to this BPA. Okay. And a BPA, it, it is it's like they're, they're looking for like almost like a pricing catalog. If anyone's familiar with GSA schedules or if you're on GSA schedule, you are familiar with a GSA e-library. You're familiar with rates. You're familiar with the idea of pricing catalogs. Um, but of course, in addition to that, they are still offering, asking for those experience levels to go along with it. Okay. So actually extremely straightforward for this one. Um, did we look at the Q and A? I'm sure there's a lot of, <laughs> yeah, a lot meaning one. How many soldiers? 40 to 50 on UTA weekends. Six to 10 on Fridays. So actually like not too bad. Gives you a bit of indication of time, but also we don't know how many dentists. Another question, I'm not seeing any directive for the instructions. Okay, guys, we just went through that. Like gold star for us. There's, a, there's somebody on this actively saying, where's the instructions? We just kind of went through what's required for the instructions. And then contracting his answer is, you can submit a quote with the hourly rate via email prior to the solicitation closing date and time. So they didn't even say resume there, but they did technically say it in the listing description. So I would still use that as my, as my compass for this bid. Okay. Okay. Awesome. All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for today. Again, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel. Also check out our free resource at gubkinmethod.com if you're new to bidding and you're looking for support there. We'll also have a link down below this video as well. Um, we do have our masterclass still linked up. Um, highly recommend it. If you have not checked it out, it's totally free. And check out the link for that. And doing that also gets you on our email list and we don't spam you. Uh, what we use our email list for is we primarily we update you on future SAMNetGov episodes. So I'll send you a reminder. And then we also recently started sending out our show notes. So if you want the actual links for all these SAMNetGov solicitations and stuff we talked about today, I'll be sending out um, for those of you who are on it. Uh, it'll be later today or probably tomorrow where I send out the show notes for this. Again, just kind of makes it a bit easier for you. That way you can follow along with these links and everything in hand as well. So guys, I hope you enjoyed today's video. Thank you for watching and we will see you on the next one. Take care.